Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Hello again, it is Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network, taking you into the garage and talking to the folks to make the race cars go around the racetrack. We are so glad you joined us. Steve Post, Pit Road Reporter for Motor Racing Network, joined by 25-time and championship-winning crew chief Todd Gordon. Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Fantastic. Daytona 500 on a Monday? Yeah. Double header? I got to admit, it was tough for me to stay up for the Xfinity race. Oh, you should have been there. <laughs> Tick, tickling on midnight. That's too late for, we for had, us crew chief guys. We had a, uh, well, the, the, the funny thing of it is, is we had the, the double with the Daytona 500 and the Xfinity race. That was small potatoes compared to the Friday night truck series oh. Arca Twin Bill. Now that was a late night. <laughs> but Red flags and all, right? Red flags. Well, that's, the, okay, you don't even get me started on the trucks and the Arkans, okay? It was, yes, exactly. Uh, the, 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 the Monday night doubleheader uh, was compelling, fun, and outstanding racing. Yeah, there was a little crashing, but it's Daytona. Xfinity Series put on a good show, and uh, it was good. But we have a new champion of the Daytona 500. Mm -hmm. Not a shocker that William Byron, Hendrick, Rudy Fugel, win big races this is this is one of those handful of teams that we know are going to be up front most of the time yeah yeah it's a, it, it is and it's this is one of those situations i i'm just going to say from the outside yes. looking in Hendricks sat on the front row of this race for how many years in a row oh my gosh yeah uh, well it's well alex bowman is seven was seven or six or seven straight right right on the so, front row so if you look at it if you look at it and i've i've maintained this and i don't know if there's anything different but Typically, the guys that trim their cars out to win the polls at Daytona don't end up winning races. Right. If you look, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I thought Joey Logano was going to prove me wrong this year. <laughs> yeah. I thought that theory was going out the he But was, yeah. the Hendrick camp didn't end up in the front row, but they raced pretty well. They did race. And well. I really appreciated their teamwork. Yep. The four of them kind of raced together. If you look at the end of stage one, they finished, what, first, second, fourth, and fifth with yep. Ross Chastain in the middle of it. Um but committed to each other. And at the end of the race, first, second, I don't know, they were all, all top 10. Yeah. Maybe maybe six was the worst of them. I don't know. It was, yeah. it was something like that. Right. No, they were good. All four of them were the top 10. So the teamwork worked together. They, they raced better. Um, I mean, the last caution was the, two, the 48 and the 24 pushing each other and not taking a push as well as they needed to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, kudos to them. They put themselves in a good position. I thought, I thought interesting decisions on the choose. Yes, with Alex not choosing to go behind uh, behind William, but that put him where they were loading both rows, and Alex made a good move around Ross. So, yeah, um, yeah, a great race. Yeah, what a way to kick off the season on a Monday afternoon. Awesome race. In what what I found, what I, what I liked a lot of things about the race. I liked that. We had a caution on lap number five. Didn't care for that, of course, for Harrison Burton and those guys yeah. involved. And I hated that for them. But we went all the way to lap 191, which we had. So we had some of the strategy play into it and a lot of the fun. The other thing I like about it is I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not, I'm not there for the big ones, but we're going to have the big ones. Where I have a problem is when we have a big one in the middle of it 
and then we have another big one and another big one and another big one. It's yep. like, to me, when you get about to lap 190, it's like, okay, the clock says we're, we're going to get this thing done in reasonable. Oh, we, we all knew it was coming. Yes. Exactly. Oh, my God. <clears throat> we all knew it was coming. We're it was on the, the three wide and, yeah. and, I mean, how many rows deep and yeah. lap after lap after yeah. lap. You just knew it was going to happen. And you know in today's environment, every driver out there knows. The rule book says... Once the leader's taken a white flag, the next flag decides the race. Right. We all know that. So as a crew chief, you want to be in position that when you cross a white flag, you're leading. Yeah. Because the next flag can fly right. at any time. Anytime. And, and inevitably, it's going to. And we've yeah. seen that. Well, it's been 2017 was the last time we had a green flag, checkered flag. Right. Now, 2020 was close. That's yep. when Newman ended up spinning there in the, right. coming, and to the coming to the trial. Yeah. But that was a caution before we got to the line. Um, but it's just what we've got. So everybody's anxiety and angst to get to that one to is go, to, to get to the one to go. Flag. It's yep. not to get to the checkered flag. It's yep. to get to the one to go. Yep. Uh, a question for you. Um, and I think we've, we've eased into this way, but the radio traffic on Saturday scanning or Sunday or Monday, <laughs> they're all shot. Folks, yeah, everything blew, in here they is blur shot. together, so, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess just getting back here. The, the radio traffic on Monday and the scanner and listening to the crews, I've uh, Daytona. When did Daytona become a fuel mileage rate? Because not not fuel mileage to to the old Michigan, where you pit as far away from the end as you can, be the first one to do yeah. it. Not that fuel mileage, but it became a fuel mileage race. Yes, it became a fuel mileage race when we went to the next gen car. Okay, uh, for a couple reasons. There's there's a couple things that play to this. Uh, one, we added some tire footprint mm-hmm. with the next gen car. It's a, the the tire on the next gen car versus the Gen Six car we had. It's it's almost two inches wider. Yeah, it's wider. Well, we don't have as much tire degradation. So tires mean even less now. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Which, which means, as you saw, we're going to do fuel-only stop. Yeah. We're going to let the fuel load dictate what we've got for tire strategy. So when you look at that, and the other piece is, the field has got the same cars. So we're sitting here, track position matters. Yeah. You used to be able to build a car, steel car, you know, we, we got very creative back in the days because <laughs> you'd work around, you work in the box that you've got and the box was pretty open with those cars. So you could make a car that could be that much better than everybody else and just drive to the front. We're all in the same cars now. So you've got small differences attitude wise where, you know, you've got that hundred thousands tolerance that you're working with. Yeah. It's small. So now track position makes even bigger differences. And how do you make track position? You make it on pit road. Right. So it came down. We talked a little bit off air, yeah. but the difference between Denny Hamlin winning this race and William Byron winning this race, there was a second difference in how much fuel load they had to put on on the last wow. stop. Denny was 5.6 seconds. William was 4.6. And they sh- put, they yeah. flip-flopped. And that put Denny back in the mess. Yep. Put him back where he was going to be victim of the wreck. So it's just, we've gotten the point. The cars are so similar yeah. and the tires are... Because we've got more footprint, I think the tires don't degrade like they used to. Even even with the manufacturer pitting, so so basically to 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 bring this down to radio guys terminology, even though all the Fords are pitting together, if you're the seventh Ford coming down pit road, if you can do it quicker and go out the first or second Ford, that's better. Even among the manufacturers, shortest time on pit road is the key. Yes, yes, and if you look at it, and this this goes back to that we used to look at all this. If I'm leading at, at Daytona. I'm making 5.1 miles a gallon. Yeah. If I'm running third in row, 
I'm making 5.4. Oh, yeah. If I'm running 10th in the row, yeah. I can make six miles a gallon. So, yeah. I, so, so it's just mm-hmm. my usage through a fuel run is, and we all see that information because of the telemetry that, that we've got playing yeah. back and forth that, that is shared amongst TV and everybody else. But we see that too as teams and you can, you can anticipate what you're making for mileage because you've got a throttle position sensor and you know what your maps look like. So we're all back calculating how much fuel we've actually burned to know how much we've got to put in to make it to the end of the stage. So the guy that runs 20th, there's a reason, there's an, there's an advantage to driving 20th because you're back there running 40% throttle, right? You're not running wide open and you can, you can save a lot of fuel back there and shorten up your pit stop time to the point, like you talked about, you may be the eighth car in your group that comes to pit road. But if you've got to spend a second less than the other seven, you're going to cycle out in front of them. Yeah. Man, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, I had a, a great visit. You know, you know, Phil Surgeon, of yes. course, Phil's just awesome. And he really broke down for me the fuel window. Yeah, you know, I said, you know, because I go up and just dumb radio guy, what's the fuel window? And Phil says, well, it kind of depends on where I'm running. You know, yes. he kind of he smirks, he smiles, and he says, no. He says, it is, it is 40 to 42 leading. He says, we can go 46 or maybe longer running back in the pack. And if the pace slows down, we might even go, oh, and which we almost had. We saw that. One. Yes. We saw that. Had the caution at lap six. Right. Most of the field pitted. Right. The 20 car, the 12, a few others, but they, they yeah. controlled the front row. They stayed out. Oh. Well, they went into fuel save mode. We were riding around there two seconds slower than the pole speed, single Crazy. car pole speed. Yeah. But that allowed the whole field. Cliff Daniels came on the broadcast at one point. He says, hey, at this rate. We're going to make it to the to stage end. break. That was, that was like 57, laps. 58 laps. Yeah. That wasn't 42. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how much you can save being in the back. Yeah. So it's, ah, it's just. Fascinating. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the pace had to slow down. All of a sudden, Adam Stevens was like, whoa, we can't do this anymore. Because we, we, uh, we have to pit. And yes. if they don't have to pit, that We're is trouble. a big problem. So then you saw, <laughs> then you saw Christopher Bell and Ryan Blaney it take off and start, so and start rolling. So, so. Oh, the radio, when they were riding around in those 51, 51 laps, you should have heard the radio. Oh, my God. People were screaming, what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? And then, you know, the crew chief spotter would say, well, the lead couple of guys are on fuel save mode. Okay. Everyone understood it. But it was just riding around. That was fascinating. Just yeah. the whole race was fascinating. It's just a different way of racing. Yes, it is. It's not it's not bad or good. It's no. just different. And it's it's how you have to figure out how to take advantage of the system. Yeah, absolutely. Want to give a couple of attaboys before uh, Travis Peterson from yeah. uh, Front Row Motor. An attaboy there. Even though they didn't get the results they were looking for, an attaboy. They went down there with some speed. Holy cow. Um, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Sparks, yep. fourth place finish. Good for them. Uh, AJ Allmendinger, Travis Mack, mm-hmm. sixth place finish. Good for that new combination with Travis over there. Legacy Motor Club, both in the uh, seventh, seventh and eighth. And eighth. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Stuart Haas put two cars in the top 10 with Noah Gregson and Chase Briscoe. On the other side of this, Team Penske's got some cars to build. Oh, man, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, Blaney, two, Blaney's two got Blaney. two down. Logano's down one, and then if you look at the Wood Brothers, they lost one. Yeah. So four cars up there. they yeah. got a little work to do. And, and big hit for Blaney. Yes. Oh, gosh, Thursday night. Uh, that was 55 Gs is we, what I heard. We don't, on pit road, I don't see a lot of crashes. You know, on pit road, I was, I looked up and saw that one, and literally, I'm just like, oh, so if you go back to you go back to the the last falls race, right? Everybody talks about Chase or uh, talks about Ryan Priest's, Priest's wreck. Yeah, Ryan Blaney's wreck was way more right. horrific to me because it was a because it was, it was a solid hit. His 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 in mouthpiece was seventy G's. Oh my gosh, 
I mean, that's that's well in excess that, of what killed Senior. Yeah, yeah. That, it's just that's where our safety's gotten to. That's but where safety. Yeah, two Blady's, big hits. Blady's at that thing place. when Blady hit there, I, I literally was like, it took my breath. It's like because yeah. I don't see that often on pit road. You know, our turn guys see it all the time. Yeah, I don't see it often. And when he hit, I thought. Yeah. Oh, and then he went by me on fire, and I'm like, oh, dear God, this is a bad combination. But a good, good, he, I mean, our safety has really done well. A couple other attaboys, and we'll get out of here and, and catch up with Travis Peterson. NASCAR Xfinity Series, Austin Hill and Andy Street. Man, three in a row. Hill is a machine. Mm-hmm. Boy, there's, there's guys that understand that stuff, and Austin Hill understands it. NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, Nick Sanchez and Kevin Bono Mannion. I love Bono. Good to see him back. And uh, Arkham and Art Series, Gus Dean and Kevin Reed. Jr. picked up the win. So kudos to all of those teams, crew chiefs, crew members, over mm-hmm. the wall, back at the shop. A Daytona win is something special, and we had some special wins down there as well. We need to step away. When we come back, Travis Peterson joins us. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Welcome back to Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network. Todd Gordon, Steve Post, and let's go to the Zoom line. Joining us from up at Front Row Motorsports, Travis Peterson, crew chief for Michael McDowell. Hello, Travis. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm good. How about y'all? We are good. First and foremost, we appreciate you on a short week taking some time out and joining us. We're very grateful for that. We're all kind of upside down here, so we do appreciate that. And, Travis, let's talk a little bit about Daytona. The good, you went down there with a fast race car. I know you didn't get the result you wanted, but it has to feel really, really good to get down there with the speed. Not only you, Ed, but, uh, but, but the 38 car as well. Yeah, I mean, certainly the week started off great. It, it didn't end good, so it's a little overshadowed at the moment. Um, but, you know, we surprised ourselves, I think, a little bit. Um, we went down there with a huge emphasis on qualifying better because, well, heck, the fall Daytona race last year, we were last. I think we had an issue, but we literally qualified last <laughs> to the front row on the next turnaround. So that was that was a great uh, uptick for us, for sure. Uh, and and you, you said, you know, it was a great start of the weekend at two point. Wednesday night, phenomenal. Uh, you know, did what you had to race a little conservative in the duels. I, I would too if I'm on the front row of the Daytona 500. D- I know it's early in the teardown piece. Do you know what happened, uh, power wise? Yeah, it ended up being a, a spark plug failure, which is pretty wild. Um, a, a rare failure. Um, and then because of having so much time on track, where we, we figured basically we, we were starting to hone in on potentially doing plugs and wires, but. Um, by the time we would have came down under green to do it, we'd have lost so many laps. We were just out there kind of milking it. And then we determined we potentially might have another electrical issue. And then we kind of shot ourselves in the foot trying to fix that one instead of going back to the plug. And but at the end of the day, we got so many laps down wounded that it wasn't going to do anything for our end result. But uh, it was a spark plug problem. Okay, I got to ask this because I've been through this once. It goes back to like 2000, I think, or 99. Um, we had a cracked porcelain and a spark plug. Could you could you go through like the old school? They used to take tire crayons and see what header pipe was cold or hot. Did, did you try that and did it work? Because yeah. when we did it running at Leno Load, the the plug would fire and it'd really? show on pit road. Yeah, we we did almost the exact same thing, right? We we read uh, sensors from uh, the dash. We determined it might be the right side. 
Um, we came in, they couldn't see anything wrong. So we went out and we literally ran it in second gear under yellow and came in and, and put the car in neutral and ran it at 4,000 RPM. We did everything we could to try to have heat. They did the cran. They thought maybe one of the cylinders showed a little cool, um, but weren't sure, but we were coming to the green. So we said, all right, we're going to go back out there. The next time we wreck, we'll have time to work on it. And unfortunately, the entire stage ran green. And at the time, we had messed with all the other switches trying to fix it. All of a sudden, the alternator didn't work. And we kind of diagnosed a different problem. Um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things of a day that's kind of gone haywire there. But the potential that you, you, you saw in, in your qualifying effort, and, and honestly, I thought in the duel as well, you got to feel good about that. How much of that carries forward this weekend? Yeah, I mean, we, we were really, really happy with our dual performance. We were able to control a lot of the race. We were where we needed to be with a couple laps to go until, you know, it was a little bit of a crazy block. But mm-hmm. uh, at that point, we decided we were going to save the car. But, you know, we, we were right in position where we needed to be. And at the beginning of the 500, too, we felt the same. You know, we were up there with Joey just kind of managing the race and thought we were going to have a good weekend. Um, so, you know, a lot of positives to take. And hopefully, like you said, it'll carry over into speed at Atlanta and Talladega. And really, more than anything, just kind of, resets the momentum that we had at the end of last year um it shows that we can still do it shows we can still show up with good cars and that's what we need to focus on and build on to start the year off strong let's let's carry that point a little bit further coming back for a second year uh with michael with the, the race team how important is that for you guys to carry on and and to have that year after year uh communication year after year relationship there yeah, you know, I think it, it just goes to everything we talked about. We need to do better this year is be more consistent to run the way we did at, at times, right? We had, you know, a third of the year, call it, where we had, you know, really good looking moments and we need to continue to do that more. And I think the longer you're with a team, the longer you're with your guys, your driver, everything, you just build that chemistry to be able to do it more weeks instead of having to learn, figure out each track. You can work off your own notebook. You can work off your own conversations and just hopefully make everywhere you go better. Yeah. Interesting to see where that goes. Um, you know, as you saw this weekend, it seemed like Daytona's turned into a fuel mileage race. <laughs> we, we saw uh, stage one, uh, uh, saw it through the whole race. How do you see Atlanta? Do you see that being something that, that becomes a, a, a piece in Atlanta and, and is track position even bigger in Atlanta? I think track position is still huge. And the interesting part about Atlanta is, you know, you're a lot closer to the limit. You, you race a lot different there than you do the other speedways. And not to mention, I don't think we've had a green flag pit stop yet since we've gone to Atlanta and the new configuration. So the whole fuel mileage game at Daytona and Talladega, I hate it. I hate that that's how we race, but that's what you have to do. Um, it leads to that, what we saw at Daytona, where the pack's running really slow and everybody's trying to have the shortest cycle to then come out in front. Um, we've never really experienced that at Atlanta because there's always cautions and things that mess it up before you get there, or at least so far. Yeah. We'll see. See what happens. Then that long pit road at Atlanta, too, that's got to factor into about everything you do. Yeah, that's the other thing we talk about, right? We've, we've still yet to have to hit one hot under green and not crash the whole field. So that's <laughs> the big concern everybody has. And, and, and speak to it. I just, just I, I, want, I didn't want to get sidetracked here, but it's kind of unique because your, your dash needs to get set up differently because you've got split pit road speeds, right? You've got one for entering from turn three to the yellow line in turn four, but yeah. for around the corner, what's that, 90 miles an hour or something? And then you come down to 45 down pit road? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it makes it a lot more confusing for the guys who try to set the speeds, the engineers, and, oh. and, and to paint that balance of not giving up too much time by, you know, pushing it, but also not do something stupid like get a speeding penalty um, with all the new complexity. So. Uh, you know, the good thing is that's actually one thing we can go test over at the uh, simulators and things and okay. have the driver hit and, and practice some of it. So we're actually going to do some of that tomorrow. Nice, nice stuff. 
Travis, one of the things we talked about you being back with Michael, second year on this, the new alliance with Team Penske. The press release said tier one program with Ford Performance, new alliance with Team Penske. What does that mean for you guys? Can you kind of put, 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 put your arms around big picture what that means for you guys? Well, right now, the good news is I can talk about it without getting yelled at after well, there's, because I didn't realize I had to wait till Ford, Penske, and Front Row uh, released it the first couple times that Penske came up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what's what's great about it, what I think is probably the coolest part about it is we, we've become tier one in terms of getting access to all the information, which is the thing that the smaller team te- smaller tier teams have always struggled with, right? Um, and, and we didn't do it by being the big organization, buying our way in. We did it by the fact that they wanted to bring us to a seat at the table because we did well. And I think that's a really neat narrative. Um, so now, instead of not having that information and complaining about that, we have less excuses, right? Um, so we have to be able to use that information, utilize it, and make everything better as well. So it's been really exciting so far. Um, you know, the guys at Penske have really welcomed us with open arms. We've had a lot of really good conversations with them. Um, obviously it's a new alliance. So all the things that did stay the same, there's still a lot of, uh, work to be done, um, ramping up, working with a new organization, you know, the front row had worked with Roush for so long, everything was very ironed out and, and no questions there where we're still having to work through just little growing pains of getting used to working with a new organization and, and what that means for them, for us, and what that means for us to ask them and things like that. But, um, so far, you know, a lot of, uh, optimism around it. How does, I mean, this is a major announcement and a major accomplishment, I think, in, in the growth of the program. How does this affect you internally? Do you have to hire people to, I mean, you've got access to a lot more information. Do you have to have people to digest it and, and bring it forward? We haven't yet, but I agree we need to. <laughs> There's a lot more information to, to take on. And if you just inundate people with information and put more people in more meetings and do this, right, then they can't do the things they were doing well before. So. Um, right now, it's a huge juggling act for us to make sure we we put the right people in the right places um, and and try not to lose sight of what we did well last year. Yeah, boy, it did well last year. There was some time. You guys had some had some good stuff. That's for sure. Another element of this, and and I was curious about this. If I'm not mistaken, your pit crew is still from Joe Gibbs Racing. The 38 cars from Team Penske. First off, is that accurate? And and how does that how does that all factor into all of this? <laughs> Yeah, um, we are. We last year we had our own guys that trained at Gibbs. Okay. Now we have a Gibbs pit crew. Um, you know, kind of like anybody does when they go to a big organization. They they pick your guys and they give you a team. Um, that's what we are on the thirty four, thirty eight through Penske. Like you said, that's part of the alliance. Um, you know, a lot of this is just typical small team business stuff, right? You're you're getting mm-hmm. placed people or parts from different places, and we had contracts through. Uh, with Gibbs to do that. So we're still using them. And honestly, I mean, our guys are great. So I'm not going to complain about it at the moment, but it's just a, a different thing. And, and it did create some hurdles to work through, right? Because pit crews have things they don't want to share with other pit crews. And so for us to work with Penske and to work with Gibbs, we're having to manage certain things like, okay, they can't see this and you guys have to do that. And, oh. um, you know, it definitely makes it interesting. So so in this in this alliance, I, I want to dig back a little bit on it, but what's the time frame on, on this coming to fruition. I mean, when did this conversation start with Penske and how much of it had to bite your tongue? Well, the fruition part has been probably the the hardest part of the off season and you know talking about keeping everything the same. Um, you know, we kind of knew it was coming, but it wasn't all done ink on paper, all the details worked out, you know, doing an alliance and having it through Penske through forward everything. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of 
um, you know, chain of command and working on all those details. So it took a while. And I don't think it was until, you know, near Christmas time or a little bit after that we really got everything done to be able to start opening the doors, um, which is not as soon as you'd race team would want it, right? We would have wanted it the day after Phoenix so we could start working on next year and get ahead. Um, so there's been a little bit of, uh, waiting even though we knew it was coming and then opening the door slowly because we had to get going and then once it all finally got done settled announced you know it's the floodgates but um that was kind of the process through the off season yeah yeah i mean i can't i can't imagine it's uh uh yeah i i i, I the floodgates are probably where you're at now that's for sure so neat neat stuff well travis i'll tell you it was really really neat to see uh the speed out of that car we can't wait to see what you have in atlanta again we're grateful for you taking some time out on what is a short and busy week thanks for joining us and uh we'll look forward to seeing you guys in atlanta and seeing you around the racetrack thanks guys have a good one there we go travis peterson crew chief up at front row motorsports stay with us More crew call in just a moment. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing Accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back. It is Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network. Always love conversations with Travis Peterson, one of the really, really good guys. Want to set up Atlanta for you, but want to mention to you also, um, like this, share this, uh, whatever you need to do as far as uh, these podcasts, wherever you're listening to it, wherever you're watching it, subscribe uh, and spread the word. If you like what you heard on Crew Call, say, hey, folks, get on that social media thing and say, Todd and Steve were talking about this. I found it interesting. So, and we would appreciate that uh, you, uh, you, you spread the word on what we're doing here at Crew Call. So, Todd, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. Um, yeah. Similar, but, but different. different. Exactly. Then what we have, what are you, uh, what are you looking to see this, uh, this week at Atlanta? Yeah, it's interesting that Travis talked about it, and I, I, I remember because I was picking on him. Ryan Blaney got a speeding penalty on a green flag cycle there. That's right. First race we ever went there. Right, with the new configuration. Yeah, with right. it, with, yeah. I guess first, first race with the entry on, um, yeah. Yeah, because the entry is in <clears throat> turn three. Yes. And you roll around the it's inside of turn. It's long. Yes, you roll around turn three at 90 mile an hour. Well, back then. Well, back then you didn't. It wasn't. Then, it was forty-five the whole way. Which that's painful. Like, like that's yeah. almost like that's almost like evil to the drivers. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was in, I was in media at the time, but Blaney was calling in. He called into the late shift, and I, oh, I got yeah, to yeah. pick on him a little bit about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, tough. It's a tough, unique little place. We'll see how this place ages. You know, it's well, there's that too. Uh, Atlanta was an old, wore-out racetrack, right. and we repaved it, reconfigured it. Um, but I look at it like I, I, I run the parallel to Darlington. Darlington was and was the old wore out racetrack. Yeah. We repaved the place. Script came back. I mean, Regan Smith won there on a stay out call with with Furniture Row at the time. Uh, it was what two thousand eight, someplace right. around there. But that place aged pretty quickly, quickly, right back to what it was. So I'm curious yeah. to see if Atlanta, if if just the environment, the sand in the in the area, yeah. or or the aggregate. I don't know what'll happen here, but be interesting to see how this place ages. We felt like the second race last year was a ton less grip than the spring race. But th- that part of that's temperature driven. So we're back to probably mid-60s and sunny for Sunday. I think uh, 
It'd be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, as I see also to see what they learn, because this is the first race of the playoffs when we go back in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting dynamic too. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know we're way, way out on that thing, but uh, you, 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 you want to come out of here feeling pretty good. You, you don't want to come out of Atlanta not understanding what happened. You, you want to come out of here probably feeling pretty good. Yeah. I just, uh, I just really wonder, you know, 65 and sunny now. What that's going to be in September. We huh? come back first week of September. We would hope for 65 and sunny. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping for 85 and sunny. Yeah, Because that might be, it might be 95. Uh, we'll see yeah. where that plays out. But definitely want the notebook from here and carry it forward. It's going to be interesting. Back-to-back speedway races. There's some teams that lost cars yes. at Daytona mm-hmm. yeah. that, that, you know, uh, uh, really can't afford to lose another one. Right. I, Absolutely. But, but fortunately, we're, the trawler, haulers didn't have to leave. Well, we, we Tuesday morning we, to yeah, go out west. Before we come on the air with uh, Travis, we joked around with him because this used to be West Coast swing, oh. and boy, that would have been a turnaround. Yeah. yeah, the fact that we're going to Atlanta makes this a little more palatable racing Monday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so a good deal. It'll be interesting to see where it plays out. See how the pace of cars at Daytona applies now that, like Travis talked about, you're more at limit. You're more at yeah. tire limit. So I think tire putting tires on is going to have more value. And the race being 400 miles instead of 500, stages break up a little differently. First stage, you should be able to run the whole stage, I think. Right, yeah, I think so. So, second stage, I think, has got to stop in it, see where that plays out, but it's going to be interesting. Yep. Fun stuff, that is for sure. Motor Racing Network will be in Atlanta. Now, we'll be down there for the Freight 208. Mm-hmm. Truck Series race. Our airtime is one thirty. Our friends at the Performance Racing Network have the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series. I'd like to remind you that wherever podcasts are, you can check out our new podcast offering. NASCAR Live presents 2004: Changing History. A look back at that incredible season, first season in the chase with the chase, the playoff format. 2004, 20 years ago, Mike Bagley and the entire NASCAR Live crew have put together a great podcast series. You can find that wherever podcasts are. So there you have it. Puts us in the books, that's for sure. We appreciate Travis Peterson for joining us here this time on Crew Call. He's Todd Gordon. I'm Steve Post. But more important than Travis, Todd, and myself, we thank you for joining us here this time on Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network.